like orange, black, and white. Cause when the jungle come alive, who they we ignite in Cincinnati, we gon' rise in In the jungle, we unite in Dripping orange, black, and white. Who they when we fight? Live and die in these stripes. Wake up the feast, everything they is a feast. Time to bust it off the leash. In the jungle, dripping heat. Tigers strike the city streets. Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm your host, the Iceman, Jeff Trenopole. And as always, I'm bringing you sports from a west side point of view right here in the great city of Cincinnati, Ohio. Home of the Cincinnati Reds, who are still a half a game up on the Padres. Or I should say back to a half a game up on the Padres. As soon as you think they're dead, the offense turns it around and they blow out the Tweety Birds, which was awesome. And hopefully the home of the Big 12 and University of Cincinnati. We'll get to all that in a minute. Now do me a favor. If you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button. Smash that thumbs up. I'm up to 1,348 subscribers. That is awesome. I appreciate every single one of you guys. Now coming to you live from the Ice Cave. The Ice Cave is brought to you by T-Properties. T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out their website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. All right, guys, if you're watching it on Facebook or Twitter and you have not subscribed to my channel, please do. Please go to YouTube channel Sports with Strawberries. Hit that uh, subscription button. Hit the bell for the notifications. I would greatly appreciate it. Also, in the uh, YouTube channel, we're doing Super Chats, so if you like to support what I'm doing, I would greatly appreciate it and give me a Super chat. That is awesome. And yes, Crown, I agree with you. That song pumps me up. I know we're talking a lot of Reds today, but that's still a great Cincinnati theme song. It's from Gift Vader and Black Light. 
Productions. So if you guys have not checked it out, go to their YouTube channel and check it out. Now let's get to the news of the day before we get to my wonderful guest, Red's Beat writer, Bobby Nightingale. Um, it came down, word came down today. This is from Chuck Carlton. And he says he can confirm via industry sources that BYU, UCF, Cincinnati, and Houston have emerged as the four leading contenders in the Big 12 expansion. He's told the timeline is fuzzy, but the process could be complete sometime during the academic year. Now, from what I have understood is, you know, we had, I don't know, four, five, six years ago, Big 12 was talking about expanding, and they decided to stay with 10 teams instead of going to 12. Now, obviously, we all know that Texas and Oklahoma are leaving and going to the SEC. And I think some of the teams from the Big 12, or maybe the whole Big 12 in general, was wondering if the Pac-12 wanted to expand and you know either merge completely with them or take some of their teams. Well, Pac-12 came out a couple weeks ago and said they are staying pat and they are not going to expand at this time. So, that opens the door for UC to get into the Big 12. I personally am – I won't say I am excited. I mean, I'm excited. I want them to be in the Big 12. I want them to be in a, I want them to be in a Power 5 school conference because this gives Luke Fickle a chance at getting to a national title every year. It, it's, it's not ideal. I mean – I agree with Crown. He says they should join the ACC. I would love to do that, but they also have to be offered a spot. <laughs> and I don't know if the ACC is offering anything right now. It looks like the Big 12 is. And I do agree ACC would be much better. A lot of our old rivalries from the Big East and uh, Metro Days, Great Midwest Conference, all, a lot of them are there. But if they take, like I said here, let me bring this back up here. If they take Houston and Central Florida, those two are pretty big, big rivalries, especially Central Florida. Um, in football, Houston is a big one in basketball. And then uh, West Virginia is already there in the conference. So that would be a big rivalry, too. So that's three close, somewhat close rivals. Either way, I think it would be a great move if this can happen for the Bearcats. But I am not holding my breath because I've heard this before. And that wasn't that long ago that I was – Damn sure it sounded like that they were going to the Big 12, and then the Big 12 decided to not do it. So, hope and a prayer it happens. By the guy who tweeted that out, sounds like he we should find out something by this academic year. I don't know. We'll find out. Keep our fingers crossed. But let's get to a friend of the show, a great guest. He's Reds beat writer Bobby Nightingale. Bobby, what's going on, man? Not too much. How have you been? Good. How are you? I'm, I'm glad you're back on the show. Thanks Thanks for doing this. Yeah, no problem. Uh, you know, playoff race, off day to day. So glad to finally see these still exist and uh, <laughs> get ready for the stretch run. Exactly. Perfect timing. I have I have to ask you now, what was up with Nicasiano's bat yesterday? I mean, I, I, I it really started reminding me of uh, the pine tar incident with uh, – uh, I'm not, I hate when I do it. I start talking about a story. I can't remember. Brett, Brett. Um, oh my God. Thank you. George Brett. <laughs> it started reminding me of that. I'm like, if they take this grand slam away from him, I'm going to, I'm going to go nuts. And I think David Bell was too. So what was the whole story in, uh, behind this? What were they trying to do? Just get rid of the bat or what, what was the story behind this? 
Yeah, I mean, it turned out to be much ado about nothing. I think everyone, when it first happened, was like, uh-oh, a possible George Brett incident. Right. Um, you know, that, that one got overturned a few days later. That played under protest, and they replayed after the George Brett thing, and the home runs still counted. So the umpires immediately told Cassianos and David Bell, hey, the home run counts. We just want to um, make sure we are interpreting the rules correctly. That's why they put on the headsets. That's why there was the long delay. Um, but it just turned out, I mean, Nick Cassianos used a bat that they deemed that he couldn't use because it had a big chip in it just for safety reasons. Um, but other than that, I mean, there was nothing really that controversial about it. It just kind of looked that way just because I think everyone thought of the George Brett incident. Right, exactly. Well, the thing is, I know – the Cardinals manager has had that in his back pocket because Nick's been using that bat for a couple games because <laughs> I've seen the big chunk out of it on the Reds broadcast. They're talking about what he's using. So, so he was waiting for the right time to pull that out, I think, and hopefully get the, get the home, the grand slam thrown out as, which, Hey, it's gamesmanship. It's, it's not a bad move if you ask me, but luckily it didn't work. Yeah. And, and Mike Schultz, I mean, the, the Cardinals manager said afterwards, he, he kind of knew, when he brought it up, it wasn't going to change the the grand slam or anything. Um, maybe it was some gamesmanship saying, okay, Nick, you're going to have to change your bat when you come up next time right. uh, back into it. But uh, it sounded like it wasn't nothing nefarious on their end either in terms of there might've been some gamesmanship, but nothing in terms of they were hoping to overturn the grand right. slam or anything like that. And now, now the kid, I think Nick gave the uh, bat to a kid in the stand. So that whoever's got that bat, I'd try to get that, uh, that autograph that that could be uh you know it's a it's a story behind the bat not only did the bat get thrown out but it was a part of a two-run homer and a grand slam bat bat and back-to-back gate or back-to-back hits so that's pretty good i was dude it was this close i think if a uh, farmer got up in the next inning it, it, nick would have came up with the bases loaded again how awesome would have been if he hit two grand slams and that would have been the same inning that would have been so cool if that would happen I, I think fernando tatis is the only one i remember doing something like that yeah, Fernando Tatis Sr. had uh, two Grand Slams same inning. Yeah, that, I think that's the only one in baseball history. Yeah, that that would have been that would have been awesome. Now let's get to the Reds' offense. Now, it's kind of slumbered here last couple games up until yesterday. I think they had not scored in double digits since August sixteenth, and we, we've had these lulls with the Reds' offense. And I and I keep I'm not hoping, just wanting all year. Are they able are they gonna be able to keep this offense up all year? You know. Are we going to get to the, the final stretch? And is the offense just going to go? And, that, and that's what I was kind of getting worried about here the last couple of days. But yesterday, they the bats took off again yesterday. Yeah, I, I thought it was a, an important step. I mean, it's one of those, you know, the, the way a lot of the players explained it was last week, you know, they lost to Corbin Burns. They lost to Brandon Woodruff. They lost to, lost to Sandy Alcantara. Those are three really good pitchers. I mean, Burns and Woodruff are in the Cy Young race. Alcantara, I mean, that was – probably the best pitching performance I've seen in terms of the way he dominated the Reds lineup. So I think they forgave themselves for those three losses. And then they lost to that really young guy from Miami. He's, that Sorry, one was tougher. Sorry, my dog's going nuts right now. <laughs> I think, I think Not happy about the Reds offense either. Yeah, he, he's ecstatic about the Reds offense. I think Mrs. Ice showed up and he's trying to greet her real quick. But um, I think um, that was one of the best uh, pitching performances of the year, I think, by Sonny Gray. I think he – he stepped up in a big way as a stopper for the Reds. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was a game they had to win. He gave up a home run on the first pitch, and it was like, uh-oh, they might, yeah. they might be part just the way they've been giving up runs in the first inning. But credit to him. I mean, even when the, the offense came alive a little bit, he made sure there were shut down innings afterwards, kept the lead, uh, pitched relatively clean innings. I mean, it was everything. I think he allowed two, base, two or three base runners. So 
uh, huge performance from him. Exactly. And that's what we, we're going to need that down the stretch. We got what less than 20 games left. I think, I think that's right. Uh, less than 30. Less 27 than 30. Left. Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, I got a question here in the uh, chat here from Royal Royal flush. Terry wants to know what's the latest on Nick Senzel. Uh, I, I really haven't heard a, a recent update. He's in, he's rehabbing in Goodyear, Arizona. That was the last I heard. Um, there was knee built, fluid buildup when they optioned him to Louisville, when he wanted to come back from the injured list, he told him, Hey, my knee's still not a hundred percent. So still on the injured list. I, to me, it'd be surprising if he's back this season. I mean, that'd be best case scenario. Um, just the clock's against him right now. I mean, everything's going to have to work out. He'd still have to go back on another rehab assignment and prove he's healthy. So, um, time's working against him. That, that's probably the toughest thing. Um, and I, I can't see the Reds rushing it back. I mean, after optioning him in, in the first place, they're, they're not going to push him back and not have a spot for him. Right. Exactly. Now, now I have a question cause that was kind of a controversial stuff that was going on with, was Nick not trying to tell them about his knee or, or what was the whole story that you found out about that? Because it was it sounded like Nick was coming back, and then all of a sudden, you know, this knee problem. And then they well, the first they didn't bring him up. That's why it was kind of a you know head scratcher, like what's going on with that. And then all of a sudden they they just flat out optioned him to triple A. We're like, what? Yeah, I mean, it was one of those he he was on his rehab assignment, he thought he was playing well. I mean, he, he had hits. Um, but the Reds just didn't think he was ready to be an everyday starter. And they thought, okay, um, you know, he wanted to end his rehab assignment. He said, okay, I'm done. And, you know, that's well within his rights. And the Reds said, okay, um, you're done, but we're not going to call you up. We're going to send you to AAA. And I'm guessing that surprised him. I'm guessing that um, upset him. And then after that, he said, okay, um, you know, my, my knee's not 100% yet. I've been fighting through this. And, um, you know, that then it just kind of went back to the injured list. They reversed the whole decision. And um, that's where we are now. But I think it was just one of those things. He thought he could push through it. He thought he'd be back, and the rest said otherwise. They just didn't think he was ready. And if they if they don't think he's ready, I mean, it doesn't make sense to to overdo it either. Right, exactly. And I I I'm wondering what this means for uh, Nick Castellanos's uh, or Nick Castellanos, Nick Senzel's uh, future with the Reds because I mean he's been their starting center fielder on opening day the last uh, three years now, and he's he's not even part of the team right now. And it's just it's just the whole vibe of kind of just interesting and. I'm just I'm just curious where where this is going to go with him. I, I know you can't see the future or anything like that. I just think it's an interesting story that we're going to have to keep an eye on uh, during this upcoming offseason, which hopefully will be an offseason uh, after a playoff run. Hopefully, <laughs> that'd be nice. Now, the cool thing that's happened, I think, is the last couple of days, the Giants and the Dodgers have switched. So as of right now, if the season ended today, the Reds would be in a one-game playoff versus the Giants and not the Dodgers. And I think that's a good thing because I don't want to face Max Serger on a one-game playoff against a guy who's won the World Series before and is a pretty damn good pitcher. I'll take my chances with the Giants. I know the Reds haven't done that good against the Giants this year, but they haven't done that good against the West in general this year. So what, what's your thoughts on, on the uh, one-game playoff and all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, I think of it as – I don't think anyone would want to play the Dodgers in any circumstance <laughs> Series, seven game series doesn't matter. I mean, they're have a loaded team, loaded roster. You know, their pitching staff. You know, Walker Bueller might win the Cy Young. You have Max Scherzer, who's as good as anybody in big game situations. Clayton Kershaw, Julio Urias. So they, I mean, they're loaded with pitching. Um, so that, that's the toughest matchup to me. I mean, in a world you try to get them in a one game playoff because say you win the wild card game, 
then you have to beat them in a five game series. And I think that's a lot tougher than winning one game against them. Um, the Reds did take two out of three earlier this season in Los Angeles. So, um, you know, they, they've proven they can hang with the Dodgers. It's just in terms of you're going to have to play pretty close to perfect baseball to be yeah. in the Giants. The Giants is good as just as good as the Dodgers this year. Yeah, exactly. The, the West is, is has been loaded. I mean, I, I, I that's why when this season has unfolded, I was always saying I think our best shot to win this was to win the division because I said I think the wild card is going to – both wild cards are going to come out of the West. But luckily for us, the Padres have stumbled and the Reds have been able to catch them and pass them now. Hopefully they can just just stay like that. That would be that would be good. But that's where I was kind of surprised with uh, the way the season has gone. I was wrong about the, the Brewers. I just I, I I my personal opinion is if we had the bullpen we had now, which actually I'll do this real quick. What's your opinion on the bullpen they the Reds have right now? How how good bad? Where, where do you think their bullpen is right now? I think it's better, but it's still not where you need it to be. I mean, it, in a perfect world, you have a bullpen like the Brewers where you have two guys like Devin Williams and Josh Hader. You give them the ball. They shut it down. Um, game's over if you have a lead after the seventh inning. Um, you know, the, the Reds are in a better spot. Michael Lorenzen's playing really well. Michael Givens is um, also doing doing well out of the bullpen since he came over. Uh, all the other guys, really, they traded for Justin Wilson and Louis Susser having solid seasons. But I think losing TJ Antone hurts a lot more than – um, maybe people realize, I mean, just having him, that, that would have been huge to have a three-headed type thing in the back with Lorenzen, Antone, and Givens, those three guys to overpower lineups, especially if Antone looked anything like he did in the first half of the season. Oh, absolutely. I, I could not wait for TJ Antone to come back. I said, because he could be our hammer, I think, coming out of the bullpen. And uh, along with Michael Lorenzen, which Michael Lorenzen has actually been pretty good out of the bullpen. He's really had one little rough outing, but other than that, he's been, He's been really, really good for the Reds. But, yeah, I do think that losing T.J. Anton is a huge loss for the Reds. And the thing is, with it, the Tommy John for him again being so late in the season, he, we're probably not going to see him till 2023. Yeah, I mean, it would be a medical miracle type deal if he was ready for next season. Usually it's a 15-month 15, 15 injury, so uh, spring training 2023 would probably be the first time he'll be back. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm getting distracted. I I have I have Mrs. Ice and her sister walking into the ice cave here, just staring at me. So I was like, completely lost all train of thought. Thanks, ladies. But yeah, I, I, but TJ Anton, yeah, come back 2023 is, and the, the the thing with that is, I was surprised that how how many times do guys have Tommy John twice? I mean, on the you know obviously same arms pitching, but I mean that usually doesn't happen very often, does it? There's a it seems like it's coming up a little bit more. I mean, Tommy John itself is a lot more popular than it used to be, but um, there are some guys like Daniel Hudson, uh, closer for the Nationals. He's had it twice. Uh, Mike Lundger, he'll be back next season. He's had it twice. So it's not exceedingly rare, but um, it is definitely a lot more riskier. I mean, it, like when, when you have Tommy John surgery once the first time, the success rate in coming back is usually 90 95%. Um, that you're able to get back to the level you once were. I think second Tommy John, it's a lot lower. So, I mean, there, there is risk there that, you know, maybe he doesn't get back to, to where he is uh, just, just because traditionally that hasn't been the case for a lot of guys when they have their second Tommy John. They just come back worse and um, aren't able to have the same career. Well, let's hope he comes back uh, very solid because he was <laughs> he, 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 he was going to be a great pitcher. He was a great pitcher for us. I hopefully, hopefully he comes back and picks up right where, where he left off now. They did, the Reds just added this week uh, Delano Shields Jr. How 
cool has it been? I don't know how much you've been able to interact. I know you can't go down in the locker room or anything, but I think you can go on the field. So how cool is it to watch father and son interacting on our major league baseball team? Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, it's like they said, it's a dream come true. Um, something they've always envisioned. I mean, in spring training, they've played against each other. And that was always cool because they take the lineup cards out and um, have a chance to meet behind home plate. But uh, Delano DeShields, the older one, the first base coach, I mean, he's as respected as anybody. He's He managed a lot of the Reds players in the minor leagues. Um, a lot of players love him. So the chance to, to see him happy, uh, to have a son by him, uh, it's really cool, but it's 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 also like they're also looking at it as is you know the, you join the team in September they're in a playoff race it's not really right. a time for like yeah it's not kumbaya <laughs> yeah I mean it's something I think they'll reflect on after the season but right, right now I think it's we're going to focus day by day and I'm, I'm sure they'll be happy to see each other but it's one of those right uh, I think they would enjoy it a little bit more if it happened in April or May right right they they could enjoy it throughout enjoy it throughout the season now with a big big win uh, last night for the Reds. Uh, they have the Detroit Tigers coming in, and I think now I, I thought we should have done this with the the Marlins. You know, won that series. I think there's a very good chance that the Reds could not only win the series but but sweep them. And I'm not sure who who do the Padres have? Uh, who are they facing? Do we are the Reds facing an easier opponent over the weekend right now? I think they are. Yeah, let me check. Um... While you're doing I that, I'll put, put this easier. up here. I think they have an easier one too. Uh, do they? Okay. Yeah, Crown oh, they, have, they, have Houston, they have Houston and then the Angels, so tough, oh. tough one again, and then easier next week. There you go. So that, that that's good. That's good for the Reds because I mean, the one good thing about the Reds' schedule is they played most of the tough games in the first half of the season, and now toward the end is the easier games. Which I say that, and then we just played the the Miami Marlins and we lost two out of three. So you never know what's going to happen. But also, I think that had a lot to do with the Reds' offense not being there because I think the pitching was actually pretty good in the in the Marlins series we just couldn't hit yeah no doubt about that and um you know the Alcantara game I think you forgive them for that the, the last the series finale that was the one they hurt that hurt they lost uh two to one in that game just you saw how angry they were at the strike zone I think there's some frustration there just in terms of how badly they wanted to score and couldn't get a run across um but you know it's the Reds have the schedule in front of them if 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 they kind of they're in the second place for the wild card right now, so it's like you control what you can control. You beat up on the bad teams, you're going to make the playoffs. So if they if they don't make it, I mean, it's kind of they have themselves to blame if, if they can't take advantage of the schedule they have. Yeah, I mean, they've had issues with a lot of uh, strike zones this year, and, and actually that kind of brings me to an uh, interesting question. I don't want robot umpires. I don't want that. But I thought the point was a couple years ago when they brought you know all the umpires back. I missed probably ten years ago now when they. They, they, it's not National League, not American League. It's just umpires, and they try to get a uniform strike zone. And at first, it kind of seemed like we had a pretty uniform strike zone. Now, this year, it kind of seems like it's getting to whatever the umpire decides it wants to be, which is okay if they call it that way the entire game. And I think that's been a lot of the Reds' problems and issues this year. Have you not- noticed that? Yeah, I mean, you definitely – see the complaints. I also think it's a different type of era. I mean, with the TV box, you can scrutinize it immediately. I mean, when the TV box wasn't there, you know, 15, 20 years ago, um, you know, the borderline pitches, you could complain about them, but no one would know immediately. You just have that instant feedback. And I I think that's kind of where I feel like it's unfair to umpires. I mean, you call 95% of the call directly and everyone's going to remember the 5% just because 
it's on TV yeah. and everyone just it immediately. Right. Um, but you know, I, I I I hear what you're saying. I mean, as long as you're consistent in your strike zone, even if it's outside the box, I think players can live with that as long as you stay within that consistency. Yeah, because we we had that. I, I can't remember who the umpire was, but it was the it was a Cubs uh, game Cubs series earlier this year. And he kept calling the ball the outside, low and outside. And he's calling it on both sides. So you can't get that upset if he's doing it for both sides. I know both sides are complaining about it. Cause I know Nick, Cass- I think that was the one. I don't know. What was, it? was that the game Nick Cassianos got thrown out really quick? I, was that the Cubs series or that was a, a different one? I can't. That was, still, that was Philadelphia. Yes. Yes. He got thrown out in like two, two seconds where that's where I'm kind of like, all right, dude. <laughs> Either he said, the magic word, or that umpire just really had a, a, a quick hook because it, it was uh, he couldn't have said that much. <laughs> he got thrown out real fast. But um, I actually got a question here in the uh, chat again from Royal Frost Terry wants to know who starts in the Reds one game playoff. Who who do you think? I think it's got to be Luis Castillo, right? I mean, he's he's been as good as anybody since June. Mm-hmm. Had, had one really bad start, but then that. Been as good as anybody, and I mean, if his stuff is on, he can yeah. beat anybody. And I, I think he—he's the one who gives you kind of the biggest margin for error with his hundred mile an hour fastball, his changeup, his slider. Um, you know, I, I would take my odds with him on the mound any day. Absolutely, I think he's been our most consistent one. I know he got to a very rough start. Now, let's let's get back to that to that where uh, early in the year, Luis was having uh, hard, you know, rough starts. Did we ever figure out? why that was happening is it because of the cold weather because i know a lot of people said that he couldn't you know get the grip on the chains up because of his hands are cold and stuff like that is that an actual factor in why he got to off to such a rough start or was it just mechanics probably a factor of both i mean it's just he, he wasn't very good in cold weather and it seemed like he got all the cold weather starts uh in april and then he also had a bad may too so um, I, I just think it was one of those things mechanically. He what didn't look 100%. His changeup wasn't getting swings and misses. Um, there were a lot of pitches he had that um, stuff-wise, it just wasn't where it is now. Um, so he, he worked a lot. I mean, it was one of those things, I think. He had a really dominant spring training. Maybe that gave him a false sense of confidence coming in. And then, you know, when your mechanics don't look good, no pitcher's any good with that. Right. Now, that, that's interesting you say that false sense of security with a really great spring training. That brings me to AG, Armin Garrett. I mean, he had one of the most dominating springs I think I've ever seen in my life. I think he literally struck out everybody he faced. Um, do you think that's been a factor to his – I wouldn't even say up and down year. I mean, he's pretty – it's pretty, a pretty down year for him. He's, every once in a while he does pretty good, but he, he he's not a guy we can we can count on right now. But do you think that's a factor with him or – or what, what are your thoughts on, on AG? I just think it's a, a mental thing. I mean, I think in the beginning of the season, there was some bad luck. He got hit around. Um, you know, guys took advantage of his, some of his pitches. But then since then, it just doesn't seem like he has the same confidence. I mean, walking a lot more hitters than usual, um, kind of nipping the strike zone, which really isn't his game. I mean, when he's at his best, he's throwing his slider and daring guys to try to hit it. Um, so maybe, maybe just I, I think – having that such a bad start that he had, maybe that jarred his confidence, didn't think his slider was as good. And then he kind of went away from it. And, um, you know, it took him some time. It's been a rough season for him. If the Reds can get him anywhere back to anywhere close to where he, he usually is, where he has been in past seasons, that'll be huge because they really need a left-handed pitcher to step up. uh, That was been a tough season for him. Now, do you think he's kind of 
kind of not blamed it, but but said that he can't be himself now because he gets suspended and he can't do the whole AG thing and, you know, being wild and crazy. Do you think that that's a factor in it? I mean, it kind of I, I guess it could be, but I don't know. I don't I don't see it too much only only because he was struggling beforehand. I mean, if right. it was like you, you he was dominant, got right. suspended and then struggled afterwards, maybe you could point to that a little bit right. more. Um it's been kind of a season long struggle, not just since the suspension. Absolutely. Now I know I had to bring this up because uh, if I don't, my, my boy crown, who's a, uh, uh, avid watcher of my show will want me to bring up Hunter green and the bats tweeted this out. He, uh, his, uh, he was sharp last night, I guess, five innings, four hits, one earned run, uh, six K's. Um, do you think he'll be up here next year? Do you think him and, uh, and, uh, Nick Lodola will be in our rotation next year? What's your thoughts on that? Definitely think they'll get the the opportunity. I mean, I think they'll be competing for a job in spring training. I wouldn't rule out, you know, I think there's not a huge chance, but I think there's a small chance he's uh, has a chance of being promoted this month and uh, kind of helps out in the stretch run if they really need a bullpen arm. Um, he, he's never pitched out of the bullpen. I think that's probably the toughest thing. Um, but his velocity's there. If he can get his off-speed stuff where he needs it to be, maybe, maybe they take a chance on it. But I, d- I definitely think next year – um, you know, he'll get 100% an opportunity to win a job in spring training. Don't know if it'll be handed to him, but definitely have a chance to. Win. Now let's, uh, let's, let's get to the legend, as I call him, Joseph Daniel Votto. And Bobby, I've never seen a player at this stage of his career go through a complete swing change of what, uh, you know, he's from crouch down to standing all the way up to holding the bat, the, you know, end of the bat. And having the power that he's having, and even the the mental change of he's swinging at things now that he wouldn't swing at last year, four years ago, and he's driving the ball. Have you ever seen anybody have this kind of a, a renaissance at this age? I think he's 30, 35, is that, or is he older than that? 37. He'll turn uh, 38 in a week, I think. Okay. Yeah, but no, no one really comes to mind. I mean, there's guys who've had success at the end of their careers, David Ortiz, Chipper Jones, some other guys who've had really good seasons in their late 30s. Um, obviously, like Barry Bonds and those guys um, who probably were aided with some other stuff. But um, <laughs> I give credit for what he's done. I mean, he re- redid his whole approach, and he's had a ton of success. But, I mean, that's he, he says it's a lot easier for him than it used to be. I mean, just what he his old approach, he felt like he had to be perfect all the time. Um, just knowing the strike zone, having to put every ball in play that he did. Now it's a little bit easier because he's just swinging, looking for his pitch and swinging and swinging for the fences uh, yeah. compared to before. Yeah, exactly. And I, I have not seen him do that silly half swing. I, I used to, when he would do that, that would drive me nuts. I would just, I'd yell at the TV screen, just swing. <laughs> like, and that's what he's doing right now. He's just swinging and, do you think he's uh, swung himself into the MVP race with his his second half surge? Because he's leading the team in home, home runs. He's leading the team in almost every offensive category right now. I think he's in the conversation. I mean, I think Fernando Tatis Jr. is probably the favorite. Um, there's some other guys who are probably ahead of him, but I, I could see him definitely being a top five candidate, top ten somewhere in there. Say the Reds make the playoffs, he has another hot month, uh, kind of like he was in early August, late July. Um, you know, maybe he inches up closer to the top three um, and, you know, can put himself next to Tatis. But um, he, he still has some ground to make up. Just he missed 
a month of the season, uh, had it didn't hit very well uh, by this standard in April. So right. two, two or two, three months, he had to catch up on the rest of the guys. But it's been remarkable what he's done second half of the season. Yeah, oh boy, has he caught up. That is, that is for sure. Now, another guy that hopefully will be back sometime soon is Jesse Winker. Any, any word on when he might be back? Uh, he's starting to swing. Start. He's been throwing, still doing some light activities. So I would say you're probably, you probably won't see him for at least another week, I would think. And then uh, maybe 10 days, two weeks, possibility that he's back if everything goes well. Don't know if he'll need to do a quick rehab assignment, but um, just he's been out for a little bit. So Right. And he already aggravated the injury once. They don't want to do that again. So they're going to be a little cautious with him. So I think at least 10 days before he's back. Yeah, exactly. If the Reds do make the playoffs, you definitely want a healthy Jesse Winker in the lineup every day playing out there in left field. Well, Bobby, as always, I appreciate you coming on the show. You gave me a half hour. That is awesome. Where can everybody find you at? Twitter handle, your articles you got up, and just let everybody know about you. Yeah, on Twitter, it's at NightingaleJR, and then Cincinnati.com has all of our uh, stories up there. It should be a fun final month, so uh, keep checking Cincinnati.com for more updates. Exactly. I will, and I'll have to get you on. the If the Reds are in the playoffs, we'll have to get you get you in here, or maybe the last week of the season, I'll have to try to get you on, the, on which I know we got. it's easier when the Reds are off, but we'll figure something out. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. See ya. All right, guys, that was cool. Um, do a little Reds talk. Uh, we can do a little Bengals talk a little bit off the top of my head. Look, I, I don't have it. I'll be honest. I don't have anything written down for the Bengals because, again, uh, this week is my son's wedding. So lots of in-laws are in town, just like my sister-in-law was over here with my wife making fun of me <laughs> while I'm doing my show. So they're just showing up. So I do know. That Trent Irvin got, I, I think Jay Morrison tweeted out that he got signed to the practice squad. I'm pretty sure I read that tweet right. And um, that's the only one I saw right before I came on the air as far as Bengals go. Crown, what do you want to know? Are you going to watch Ohio State tonight? Yes, I am. I'll, yes, I'm, I'll watch right now. I'll watch any college football team. But yes, I will be watching Ohio State, of course, because that is my. Uh, second favorite. I got to kind of root for Florida State too, because you know the girl upstairs. I kind of like her. She she likes Florida State, but I will be watching Ohio State tonight. But let me get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. And as always, I appreciate every single one of them. They are Hootay Nation, Bengals Nation, Bengals Hootay Nation, Cincinnati Bengals the Jungle, Cincinnati Reds riding third, heading for home, Bearcat Country, the Ohio State Bucknuts. And then you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under Sports with Strawberry Ice. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. Find me on TikTok at Iceman90. I'll be pulling the sound off later on tonight and putting it up there. Uh, it'll be on Apple, iTunes, BeanPod, Spotify, Stitcher, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. Please make sure you download, rate, like, and review. Leave a comment so more people could find my podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. YouTubers, it keeps growing. I'm at 1,348 subscribers. That is awesome. I appreciate every single one of you guys. I'm sorry. It's kind of a, a short show, but we're going out to eat with the in-law. Well, my son's soon to be in-law's family tonight. So, yeah, however you say that. Lots of family stuff going on. So, big weekend for us. No show tomorrow because, uh, like I said, wedding this weekend. So, I will be back. Um, 
I might be back Monday because that's Labor Day. I might not. I don't know. Actually, no, I will be back Monday because I think James Rapine uh, is going to be on the show. So I should be back Monday with hopefully James Rapine on the show. And other than that, as my boy, Jeremy, dime back these nuts always says, you don't live in Cleveland. You live in Cincinnati. So act like it. Who day? And then I come in and say, and that's just sports, baby. Now who got a move like it on? Now who 